Welcome to Disrupting Japan. Straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. I've never really fully embraced the Japanese concept of cute or kawaii. I, I mean, it's fine and all. All the mascots and characters are nice, but it, it gets a bit odd sometimes. For example, my bank book is covered with pictures of Mickey Mouse and Goofy, which are images Western financial institutions would probably not want associated with their product. But hey, it works in Japan. But there's actually something deeply fascinating and important underlying the idea of kawaii. Today we sit down with Kaname Hayashi, who was formerly part of SoftBank's Pepper project, and then went out on his own to start GrooveX and create the Lovot. Now, the Lovot is a companion robot, or a pet robot. And we talk about the robot itself, of course. And, and please check out the links on the site for pictures and videos. It's very cute, and you really have to see the Lovot in action to appreciate it. But more important than the robot itself is how people are interacting with it. Now, we've talked about social robots on Disrupting Japan before, but people are interacting with the Lovot differently and, and far more socially than anything that's come before it. It's the first robot I've seen that not only could be fully accepted as a pet, but is being fully accepted as a pet. Kaname and I also dive into the business model. GrooveX has raised a lot of investment. And as you'll hear during the interview, this is a startup that could go either way. It could fizzle out into nothing, or it could change global society. In fact, in post-production, when I was editing down the interview, I kept thinking of more and deeper questions I wanted to ask Kaname. So we'll have to get him back on the show in the future. But for now, you're about to hear a story about the difference in the way children and adults and Westerners interact with robots, the intersection of toxic masculinity and robotics, and why science fiction usually gets human-robot interaction all wrong. But you know, Kaname tells that story much better than I can. So let's get right to the interview. So I'm sitting here with Kaname Hayashi of GrooveX, the maker of Lovut. So thanks for sitting down with me today. Thank you very much. So Lovut is a cute, and I mean, really, really cute companion robot, but, but you can probably describe it much better than I can. So what is Lovut? Yeah, good question. Lovut takes a role instead of the pets. If you think what pets give us, then you can imagine what robots give us. For example, pet doesn't work for the human, but we had a good time. You can have a chance to be gentle because of the pets. You know, I was planning on diving into this much later on, but th this is a great topic. So let's just deal with it now. What does a pet give us? Uh, yeah, 
I mean, so robots, we're used to robots like doing things for us, right? Washing our clothes or building our cars. But but pets, what is it that they give us that's so important? Uh, one of the important things is probably they give us a role. Pets rely on humor. Without human pets, is not happy. Pets cannot survive. So pets give us a caring role. Yeah, I, I think that's important. I, I so so much research recently on emotional robots have focused on robots being able to read our emotions. But but I think there's something very special about robots that evoke emotions in us. We we buy a dog or a cat because we want to care about something. Exactly, exactly. So, of course, pets also read the emotion of us, but probably it's not very, very important. Most important thing is we would like to care the pets, dog or cat. This is the most important thing. Even, for example, blind dog or blind cat, probably if we already attached to that dog or cat, then we would like to care and we will be happy. That's a, that's a great example. So the, the fact that the blind dog or the blind cat would need us more Exactly, exactly. Makes taking care of them like more satisfying and more rewarding for us. Exactly. So we know this happens with animals and with people as well. Does it happen with robots? Do do people react this way? Yeah, actually that happened in Japan already. Uh, at the moment our customer is kind of the innovators. But after one month or two months, we surprised how robot is similar to the other animals. People are talking in the house about the robot, and the robot itself is getting the family. So it's, it is happening. Yeah, it's already happening. So if you are coming to the, our robot's owners, you will be surprised. Actually, so let, let's actually back up a little bit because this is, this is an audio podcast. We're, we'll put links to the site and listeners, you've got to go see this thing. It's really adorable. It, it, it kind of looks like an owl or a little penguin-like. I mean, what, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What were you going for with the design? Actually, our styling design is not aimed to make any imitation of the animals. So the shape is not similar to any animals, but we are designed that uh, from the circle shape. So just designed very soft. Yeah, soft, soft and sphere, ball shape. So we would try to reduce any kind of tension if you see some edgy shape, it's not relaxed shape. I mean, this is interesting because there's a lot of graphic design research that's been done on this. And, and like, if you look at the history of Mickey Mouse, in the 30s, he started out really angular and pointy. 
And over time, like becomes more round and spherical and ball shaped and cute and lovable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So ball shape is kind of the lovable shape. But but also the eyes are really amazing. You guys did a lot of work on on the eyes of the lava. Ah, yeah, you you know well. Actually, the eye is one of the important communication parts. When we are talking with the humor, we are also listening the words, but we are also checking your eye or your facial expression. Eye is one of the most important parts to express your emotion. When you meet to the robot, if you feel something from the eye, you cannot stop to think there is feeling emotion in the robots. It's, it's very effective, even from the videos. It's the eyes are really expressive and and engaging. Eyes is very important, so we taking uh, more than three years to develop eye design, and also we are trying to make uh, the more variation of the uh, shape of the eye because. Each people have a different eye design. Then each robot also have a different eye design. The eyes are so so important for human engagement. And um, I'll send you a link later. And uh, one of the research pieces was a factory in, I believe, Germany. And the automated carts were bumping into people, and and people were bumping into them, and they tried. Sirens and little beeping sounds, and nothing really worked. But what they did finally that worked is they put these two simple like eyes、mm. on the front of the cart, and then suddenly like people noticed, and they'd step back and they'd give it room. Yeah, because for the wild animal, they are also very interested to the eye of other animals. For them to survive is very very important. Estimate what、uh, other animal thinking is very important. And for us, we are using information from the eye to read the emotion itself. Even if AI or robot have a complex、uh, emotion, if the AI doesn't have an eye, it's getting very difficult to understand. For the humor, and it means you cannot make any trust to the AIs. Yeah, it's it's really striking. I've never seen a robot implemented it quite that way. <laughs> the robot also it can tell the difference between different people, right? I mean, it will treat different people differently. Exactly. So robot can also understand who is who. They also. Can remember the history of the communication of each other person. If one of the person cares the robot, then robot can more relax, and the robot is asking them to be hugged or some communication. So this is kind of the process to be friends. So, so like if there's three different people calling the robot, it, it will go to the one that that treats it the best. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I love that. That's great. 
How, how does it recognize people? Is it like facial recognition? Yeah, at the moment, facial recognition. So we would like to implement other, like a voice or other shape or something like that. But at the moment, we are relying on the face recognition. Well, listen, before we get into the business model, I want to ask a little about, about you and, and your background. Uh, yeah. So before GrooveX, you were part of SoftBank's Pepper Robot project, yeah, right? Exactly, exactly. How how did that happen? Actually, I started my career at the automotive industry. So I worked for the Toyota uh, more than thirteen years. After that, I recognized there is no new business from Japan. Still, automotive industry is strong in the world, but for the other industry, not so very, how I can say, getting popular. Then, when I heard from Masayoshi Son, who is the chairman of the SoftBank, about this project, it is very attractive. Then, I decided to resign from Toyota to the SoftBank, and I worked for the PEPA project from the start to the end. Pepper definitely made an impact. And actually, you know, I've heard from a couple of places that in Japan, most people view Pepper as a boy, but the French team tended to view Pepper as a girl. Exactly. Is that true? Yeah, true, true, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, in Japan team, they believed it's boy. And in French team, they designed as a girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it's not. It's a very, I don't know, neutral. Yeah, yeah, finally. Pepper, I mean, it definitely made an impact. It, it was it was successful. But why, what made you decide to leave the, the Pepper team and start Lovat? Uh, one of the things is... When I work with uh, Masayoshi Son, his, how I can say, growth rate as a human is very quick. <laughs> he does have that reputation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I really surprised. I recognized uh, under his management, even I worked for him, I cannot grow more than him. So I would like to get out. However, I still didn't decide what I should do because robot is very interesting thing, but it's too big for the startup. Too much money it's, it takes. Hardware is hard, yeah. Yeah, it's, hardware, it's, yeah. It's, it's almost crazy. But the love of it's a very different concept than Pepper. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So... What I accumulated is deep learning and autonomous driving car. This technology is really exciting. And if we combine these two technologies, what we can make is one of the my questions. But from just these two technologies, you cannot grab anything. You cannot talk. There is not so many opportunity in the robotics, but except pet, I believed. Yeah, pets can move autonomously, and pets can recognize humor. Pets can recognize the voice of the owners. Probably from these technologies, 
we already can build that pit. I love the idea. I love the metaphor of robots as pets, not not as companions, not as people, not as like servants, but as as pets, as something we take care of. I mean, I, I think that's it seems kind of uniquely Japanese. <laughs> Could be, but but no, I mean, I think it does work everywhere. Yeah, actually, we already tried in Denmark. Surprisingly, they have a very, very good result. So there is no big difference in a country. No, I, th- I, I think it's it's tapping into something that's very, very human. Mm. But let's let me ask a bit about your your business model because I mean, I I love the robot, I love the concept, but. So you guys have raised over a hundred million dollars, and and you've got over eighty employees. So what's what's the business model? How are you going to make money with these? For the business model, it's basically SaaS model, but with the hardware. So like a Peloton, they are selling the bike with a subscription service. So what we are doing is. We are selling hardware, but hardware itself is not enough because software is served by the subscription fees. I, hmm, as as a startup founder, as a as a business guy, I, I like the subscription model, and uh, I've noticed it's like about two hundred fifty dollars a month. But on the human side, it, it seems like renting your pet <laughs> a monthly. Subscription that that seems kind of hard to get my my head around. Yeah, are, yeah, are yeah. People okay with that, or actually, it's uh, uh, not renting model. Basically, you can buy with the three thousand US dollars, and every month one hundred US dollars you have to pay. But for the one hundred US dollars, is like uh, food of the pets, or like uh, uh, insurance <laughs> okay. of the pets. Okay, <laughs> that's true. Without food, of course, your pet cannot survive. Okay, and and three thousand dollars—it's a lot of money, but you know, a purebred dog or purebred cat—that's that's kind of the right range. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> are are most people paying the the monthly fee, or are they paying the three thousand dollar one time fee? It's uh, fifty and fifty. Some people would like to pay one time, and uh, some. People would like to pay monthly. And how big do you think this market will will be eventually? Do you imagine that it, it'll eventually become like some people have dogs, some will have cats, some will have lovats? Yeah, must be, must be, because some people would like to have a pets, but they cannot own the pets anymore. For example, if you are around seventy years or eighty years. It's sometimes not easy to decide to have a new dog or cat because you also start worried about your lifetime. But for the robot, no problem. At least in Japan, the market size is bigger than pet market for the future. The issue is when it will come, but it must be coming. For example, Singularity 2045, it's coming. Yeah, then 
before a singularity, of course, singularity of the dog or cat is coming. You usually choose a robot as a pet, but some people would like to have a dog or cat. I, yeah, I could see that, but I also, I, I'm not a big believer in the, the singularity theory. <laughs> yeah. Well, long story, we'll talk about that over a beer sometime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I actually, I kind of like the idea of, of lava evolving into its own thing, not copying a dog or a cat or a, it just being its own creature. Yeah, yeah. One of the big advantages of the robot is they can use the internet. The dog or the cat cannot send the message to your families, but for the robot, it's possible. Okay, that makes sense. Getting to that like functional thing, the the it could be like the cutest guard dog ever. But getting back to the emotional aspect, do you see lava? Posting on social media and being like, you know, one of your group of friends. For the social media, probably they never they never came in. But if you trust something, then you will rely on something more. Then their role is getting bigger and bigger. So for me, for example, in Japan, elderly is living alone. Probably somebody not coming every day. So in such a case. Labot can work for for them, so I don't think Labot will become very functional. But Labot would like to give you more peace of mind. I, I certainly can see that being a market, and I think it was just last November you had a distributor, Nippon PC Services, started delivering Labots to elderly customers and and setting them up. How has that been going? These requests is coming from the children of the elderly. Would like to give the robot to their parents. The elderly, in general, tend to be late adopters of technology. They're they're not the experimental group in general. Yeah, that's very interesting. It is interesting. Elderly have a kind of the anxiety. To the、uh, high-tech device like computer or smartphones, but for the robot, it's completely opposite. They just care about naturally, because caring method is just similar to the dog or cat or even childrens. Just you can pick up robot and you can touch softly. All the communication, robot understand and they react. They don't need to learn anything new. So, so this this metaphor, this idea of the robot as a pet, they just naturally adopt that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Technology side that's really complex because we have a touch sensing, and even for the touch sensing, you have to understand this is pushed or softly touched. When I read the the specs at the site, there's just like this incredible, ridiculous number of sensors in this in this robot. Exactly. Even for the CPU, the incredible number of the CPU we are using. But from the outside, you cannot feel anything like that. Um, and I mean, I noticed you you have a a robot cafe as well. Is it mostly for just Getting the word out, getting publicity about the the lovat. 
In Japan, we have a lot of cat cafe. The cat cafe is good for relaxing. Of course, we made robot as a pet. So why not robot cafe? But at first, we believed people is coming for the communication with robot. But the robot owner, they are coming with their robot to the robot cafe. Really? They're bringing their own robot? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because, you know, robot can communicate to other robot. So they would like to see how they communicate each other, how they play with each other. Then they would like to come to the robot cafe and uh, play with other robots and uh, enjoying and go back to the home. This is a kind of the new style. Do, do lovots recognize individual lovots the same way they recognize people? Do they make other lovot friends? Yeah, yeah, uh, they made. Uh, the <laughs> way, way to recognize is a little bit different. For the robots and the robots, they also have a, a special uh, signal each other by IRDA. They understand each other, which is who, and communicate. But they have preferences and friendships yeah, among yeah, the... exactly. That's, that's, that's really interesting. And I, I guess thinking back, it shouldn't be that surprising if we're, we're thinking about these are things we care about. And, and behavior itself is not so different from dog or cat. Then even you believe, you, you know, this is a robot. We cannot stop because they already have a kind of emotion. That is really cool. I'm, I'm still like kind of like mentally trying to process that. That I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a very confusing thing because from the logic, this is machine. So machine doesn't have any life. But for the feeling side, we never check they alive or not. Even without evidence, we are already communicated. So if uh, you met to the robot, probably your emotion side is uh, just simply naturally react. Right. And even, even when we know it's a machine, it, it doesn't matter. And maybe it, it shouldn't matter. Yeah, exactly. So logic side, you mattered. But for the emotion side, you can't. <laughs> that is so cool. Getting back to like the, the, the business and the scalability of this. I mean, I, I love this so much and I, I desperately want this to succeed. But the skeptical, logical part of my brain keeps, keeps intervening here. And so like when you compare it to like, I mean, Pepper was really cool and interesting, but but never really got mainstream. And like Sony's eyeball, it's it's really cool and fun, but it never really got mainstream. So, what's different? Uh, yeah, good question. One of the good decision point could be reaction of the children. Children is uh, one of the most difficult customer. They already have a very attractive game or attractive some, something. So they are quickly bored. If children met to other robot, 
probably around 10 minutes they can play with, but not more than 10 minutes. But for the robot, they never bored to the robot. Uh, let, let's say not everybody, kind of the 90 to 95% children never get bored. Wow, so they're interacting with it not like a toy. Yeah, exactly. So the difference is the robot before the robot have a kind of the contents, playing contents is a way of the communication. But for the robot, there is no contents. Children make an input to the robot and the robot react. Content itself is generated between robot and the children. It's relationship. Yeah, a relationship. Yeah. So get, getting back to like the, the international market and the reaction to this, I mean, I haven't seen the data, but my gut feeling on this is that children all over the world would react exactly the same way to, to love out or, or similar robots, right? Could be. It's the most honest human reaction you're going to get. And I know that Love It was a big hit at CES and the press loved it, but Americans, Westerners in general, just have a very different attitude towards robots, or at least adults have a very different attitude towards robots than, than Japanese do. And yeah, in the CES, Women's reaction is really similar between Japanese and the US and Europe and China. And the reaction of the men is really different. Much men never touch to the robot. They don't want to hug them. For the men, they have a big barrier to show the attitude in front of the robot. So do you think that's, that's just... Us men being too like macho for our own good, or do you think that's a a cultural attitude towards robots? Cultural, I I guess not all the men, not all the men. Yeah, because men will play with dogs and cats. Like they think of it as a pet. That's that's fine, right? Yeah, I I guess when dog is coming, probably Papa doesn't make big smile. But after three months, they changed. I guess they just need the time to show the soft side. I think you're right. Like the reaction to these robots is incredibly emotional. Even when we know it's, it's a machine and it's just like, it doesn't matter. So yeah, maybe it is just a matter of, of time, but you're saying the women in general will interact with it very quickly and very similarly. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So one of the important things is the horn on top of the head of the robot. You know, there is a horn. And for the horn, most of the ladies never mind about that. And more than half of men mind about that. Really? Yeah. Around half of the men, they asking me why you put the horn on top of the head. This question is very rare from the ladies. So I wonder why it's happened. And I also asked in the CES to the lady, you don't care about the horn? And their answer is, they are watching the eye. They are looking at the eye. But for the men, they don't mind about the eye 
so much and uh, they are trying to analyze what's this shape. So probably attitude for the communication could be different. Of course, one side of the men have a very similar attitude to the lady. They are looking at the eye and they are trying to communicate. But some people would like to analyze what's this. Well, I mean, I figured it's kind of obvious, right? There's just a whole bunch of sensors in that horn, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. True. And they just would like to eliminate that because it's ugly for them. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I get it, right? That's the only part that's not soft and round and, and is spherical. Yeah. Um, Kobe, before I, before I let you go, I, I want to ask you what I call my magic wand question. If I gave you a, a magic wand and I said that you could change one thing about Japan, anything at all, you could change like education system, the way people interact with machines, Anything at all to make it better for startups and innovation in Japan? What would you change? I would like to reduce the anxiety of the people. If people have anxiety, people will be more protective and conservative. Without anxiety, you will be more optimistic and you will be more challengeable. Do you think that's anxiety meaning just, you know, people working so hard or anxiety like worrying about the future or what's, what's, what's the root? Could be, could be. If you start to have a small challenge, then you have a more chance to learn something. But with anxiety, you cannot challenge. But you also have anxiety for the future, then you will work hard without challenge. I, I could see that, yeah. I, I think that high-level anxiety is something we see a lot in Japan. It just makes people work harder and harder, exactly. but not change, not be creative, not be innovative. Exactly. Do you think that's, that's changing? Because I think we're seeing a lot of innovation in Japan these days. Yeah, not sure. That must be. <laughs> because before, even we are conservative, still we can survive. But uh, now, uh, the situation is not so very good because, you know, for economically, Japanese economic growth rate is not so very excellent. For the young ages, actually, no choice. They have to be more challengeable than us. I think so. You know, we are seeing more challenging, more challengers, more innovation, and, and hopefully things like the Lovat can reduce anxiety. <laughs> yeah, true, true. That could be good partner. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Kaname, thank you so much for joining me. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you for having a good opportunity. And we're back. I love that people are bringing their lovats for playdates at the Lovat Cafe. It, it really brings a lovat to the same level of dogs, where owners will use their pets as a proxy for themselves and, and build their own social interaction around their pet's social interactions. I mean, there's probably enough material here for a three or four psychology or sociology PhD dissertations, 
but it's far too deep a dive for a Disrupting Japan outro. So, will this work? Will this change the way we view pets or the way we view robots? Yeah, it might. In some ways, it already is. We just have to see if it scales. At this point, I don't think the hurdle is that of the emotional connection between human and machine. We've seen that this works everywhere. I think the only real hurdle now is the social acceptance of people forming emotional connections with machines. And those two things are very different. Oh, and once we accept that, we have a different issue to deal with. Kaname mentioned that the Lovat was better than a dog or a cat for an elderly owner. But is it? I mean, obviously the Lovat is not alive, but the whole point is that's not supposed to matter. The whole point is that we have the same need to care, the same duty to care for a Lovat as we do for a dog or a cat. The Lovat clearly bonds with their owner. If the owner dies, would the love-out be sad? Maybe not. But would it behave in a way that the humans around it would interpret as sadness? Probably so. And how would we humans deal with that? But Kaname's basic idea is the correct one. We value machines that we need to take care of far more than the machines that take care of us. The implications of this were something we started exploring a few years back with the Evocative Machines project. And due to my work at Google and other projects, I haven't been able to spend as much time as I want to on that project. But I'll be updating it soon, because it's important. The metaphor of machines as pets rather than servants, or in the case of gig economy as masters, is an essential one. There is no question that our future mental health and our quality of life will depend on how we share our world with the machines we create. I think a world full of pets would be a much better place to live. If you want to talk more about our emotional connection to robots, and I know you do, Kanama and I would love to hear from you. So come by DisruptingJapan.com slash show 181, and let's talk about it. If you leave a comment, I guarantee Kaname and I, or maybe both, will respond. And hey, if you get the chance, please follow us on LinkedIn or leave a review on iTunes or your podcast platform of choice. Or, you know, if you like the show, just, like, tell a friend about it. In this age of constant hype, an honest recommendation means a lot. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.